Welcome to Lift, a parenting podcast where we ask the questions about family and faith. Parenting takes a lot of heavy lifting, both in physical, emotional, and spiritual ways. Let's face it, raising a family is hard work. Some of us are doing it as a single parent. Some of us are working with a spouse, but all of us have questions every day. Are we screwing up our kids, our marriage, our relationships? This podcast will ask questions that can guide each of us to finding our rhythm and creating a space for God in our home. And did you know we have a Facebook page now? So make sure and check us out, Lift a Parenting Podcast on Facebook. Okay, hello and welcome to this special edition, unique edition um, of the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the coronavirus and how to... Um, best live into the uncertain times that we have ahead of ourselves. So I thought with today's podcast, we would start with a word of prayer. Let this space right now, dear Lord, transform from our living room, our car, our earbuds to a place that is holy, a place that is full of your presence. Let our fear be replaced with peace. Let our worry be replaced with joy. Let us see neighbors in need and be able to respond. Let us be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ and remember that we were created perfectly in your image so that we can go go forward blessed to be a blessing for others. Amen. All right. I have two guests in with us today, and we're going to be talking about two aspects of the coronavirus, both from a medical professional side, um, from my side as pastoral, and then also from a counseling perspective. So um, I'll let our medical professional introduce himself and maybe tell us, you know, a little bit of your backstory and what brought you here today. Hello uh, to everybody. My name is Ewan Sen. I am a otolaryngologist or ENT uh, in Collin County, actually practices Collin County ENT, and I've uh, been a church member for, oh gosh, many, many years. I've uh, been asked here to just help uh, provide some common things, common sense type of things to do, and uh, perhaps hopefully allay some fears and uh, provide some guidance. By training, as, I'm, as I said earlier, I'm a ear, nose, and throat doctor does not make me an infectious disease specialist, but as a physician that deals with infections that involves the ear, nose, and throat, and part of the upper respiratory tract, it seems like a natural uh, place to start uh, when you're dealing with an uh, infection that uh, for many parts is spread from droplets that come from the nose or mouth. And um, first to start off with, the coronavirus, or what has been named COVID-19, which is C-O-V-I-D-19, C-O for the corona, the V-I is for the virus, this D is for December in 2019. They call this a novel coronavirus because it's actually never been countered before. So a lot of the things that we as medical professionals, we're learning right now and every hour, something new is being uh, is we're finding out new things. So, um, this is something that is uh, changing. But this is what we know so far. Uh, as I said, uh, the 
most likely way of transmission is through droplets through the uh, from the nose or mouth. So um, what the new buzzword in social media is social distancing. That means trying to maintain about a six feet distance between you and the next person whenever possible. Can I ask you a question about that? Like Certainly. in our homes, I understand how that's important out in environments like public places. Is that something we still need to be practicing in our homes? I don't think so. I think if somebody in our house is uh, concerned that they're infected, or maybe the best way to think about this is if somebody in our house had the flu or the cold, how would you distance yourself? Well, all the things that we would do normally, I would still recommend that we do. That is frequent hand washing. And when I mean hand washing, I mean actual good hand washing, not just <laughs> touching the soap and letting the water pass through. Right. They recommend at least a good 20 seconds of contact with soap. And that involves rubbing uh, the surfaces of the hands in between the fingers and then rinsing. Um, the, the, so inside the home, uh, that same social distancing may not be as necessary if nobody in the home is symptomatic. So what are symptoms? Uh, the, the common things are cough, um, fever, uh, and in some instances, shortness of breath. Um, perhaps 80% of cases that have been documented thus far are relatively mild. They may exhibit no more than a cough or a mild fever. Uh, for those who are either older or infirmed or have other immune suppression or um, smokers, they're more susceptible. So um, I don't know if this is even a question you can answer. Is it important for us to go in and get checked if we feel like we have these symptoms or is it better for us to stay at home? So the current recommendation uh, from uh, infectious disease experts and from epidemiologists is that if you have mild symptoms, it is acceptable to actually and preferable just actually self-quarantine at home. If there are more severe symptoms, obviously, then being checked is a really good idea. And how should you start with that? Well, you can either call your primary care doctor to ask for guidance and to where you should go. Or if you believe that you have been in contact with somebody who's infected and you're now developing symptoms, you can go to the local emergency room, but, but they're asking, and it's very important that everybody understands this, call your local emergency room before you go in and let them know what your concerns are. Because once they know, then they will be able to greet you at the door when you walk in and then they can take care of you right away rather than having you sit inside a waiting area and potentially spreading whatever you have to the other people there. So they will treat you, very important to understand, they will treat you, but it is of utmost importance that you call So once of time. you have the facts, what are some best practices for each person to follow right now? So the, the, the there are several issues in regards to the way that this virus is spread, or at least how we know it's spread. 
first point would be frequent hand washing. And as I said earlier, that's 20 seconds with soap and washing all surfaces and rinsing thoroughly. Um, avoidance of uh, commonly touched surfaces, uh, doorknobs, uh, railings. Uh, these are things that should be wiped down uh, frequently and um, use of hand sanitizers if soap and water is not available is also recommended. Now, of course, the hand sanitizer should contain at least 60% of rubbing alcohol to be effective. Oh, okay. Good to know. So I've heard, I've seen on social media right now that you can make your own with a two-third aloe vera and one-third alcohol, rubbing alcohol. Should we, should we Google that for more information or not? I would probably say so. There's a lot of information out there from different sites uh, that have suggested ways of actually making your own. Uh, I don't know if any of these are actually been approved, uh, so it's hard to say. No, I appreciate that. So I have, my parents are over 70. Um, I've pretty much asked them to stay at home and that my children can grocery shop for them. Do you believe that it's this, I mean, right, 60 and over is some of the most um, infected or, I don't what's the right word? Probably they're the ones that are most susceptible. Yeah. If you look at the statistics, um, really the young are uh, least susceptible. And um, young is, um, I think, children uh, anywhere less than 10 years of age. But the older individuals, or if there have some other underlying chronic medical illness, uh, diabetes, or if they're on chemotherapy or other things that may affect their immune system, they're also more susceptible. Yeah. So it is prudent that uh, if you have friends or neighbors or relatives that are older, that offering to run errands for them, such as grocery shopping, would be prudent. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and feel free to chime in as Jenny and I talk about what to do now that we're home with our children. <laughs> I know um, right now my boys have very different reactions to school being closed um, next week, um, and one of my children does suffer from anxiety. Right now, he seems very calm with it. We're keeping a sense to it, but I guess my first question is how do we – how do we not live into the fear that, you know, can kind of take over sometimes? I think that um, the best analogy <clears throat> I have is that as parents, we have to remember that we are our children's flight attendant on a bumpy, bumpy flight. I use this analogy a lot when things are scary. And the rationale for that is that there was a period of time um, during my, in my life that I was super fearful of flying, randomly popped in early 20s. And when there would be a bump or a weird sound or something would happen, I would instinctively look at the flight attendants and I would look to see their body language and their face. And were they gripping the cart tighter? Did the pilot make them go sit down? Or were they chatting it up with the guy in 15B and giving him his Diet Coke? Um, my thought was, you know what, if they're okay, then I'm probably okay. But if they're freaking out, then you know, I mean, I'm in big trouble now and right. I have every right to have a complete panic attack. Um, and so I really believe that if we think back to our own childhood, 
that's what we that's what we do as kids we look to our parents in a time of fear you can always count on a kiddo to look over to their parents and to see if mom and dad are okay and mm-hmm. and not just what they're saying but how right. they're behaving and and our children know our nonverbals better than anybody and they know that from the time they're babies right. so i think it's really important that first of all as adults that we rely on um accurate information as we were just talking about mm-hmm. and not not get all caught up in the social media craze and the outlying kind of information that's not accurate. We need to find balance in being informed and being cautious and recognizing that this is uncharted territory. It is scary to think of, you know, like you said, that medical professionals are learning things every hour too. I mean, right. that's a little disconcerting, you know, because right. I look to the medical professionals for my flight attendant <laughs> and if and if they're not feeling great, then that's a little scary. Um but we have to we have to um, find the balance in all of this and recognize what's within our control. Mm-hmm. Um, a big part of anxiety, a big component of anxiety, is a perceived lack of control. So if I'm in a situation, i.e., a plane or i.e., a, a pandemic medical issue, um, and I have a perceived lack of control, my anxiety is going to increase. A lot of us spend a lot of time worrying about things we have no control over. Yeah. And all that does is feel like you're beating your head against a wall and it's really frustrating and you can get lost in that. Yeah. And so rather than spending all of our energy focusing on something that we don't have control over, look for the things that we do. So let's talk about um, uh, my kid's school has been canceled for a week now, but we also just found out they're doing online learning. So I am making an assumption that they might be home longer than a week. Um, how, let's start with early childhood though. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do we have a normal week to week, day to day when we really aren't leaving our home? You're not going to the play dates. You're not going to the mall play space. You're not going to the parks. How do you, um, survive day after day with that, this kind of quarantined, um, time together? Well, I think we have to look at, you know, we use the word normal. I think we have to look at a new normal, right? If we expect it to be like, quote unquote, normal, we're setting ourselves up for frustration because it's not normal. This is a very abnormal situation. And so we have to look at what's our new normal going to be. Um, For children, we'll start with early childhood kids. They thrive big time on schedule and routine and consistency. Well, inherently, things are different. They're not going to preschool. They're not doing all the things. You also may have parents who are home, who aren't normally home. Right. um, And everything is topsy-turvy. And Mm -hmm. so I think as parents, we have to be intentional about what is our new normal going to be? And that issue transcends all ages, obviously. Um, But for little ones, it's their eating routines, their nap time routines, their playtime, having the opportunity to go outside. I know the weather here in the Metroplex is crummy right now, which makes this even worse. (laughs) Um, But looking for opportunities to go outside. I saw my cousin online today planting flowers with her littles and that, you know, utilizing this time to to do those things. I I can think of some of the most epic um, forts that will ever be had (laughs) in the next couple of weeks. Yes. You know, I was talking with my sister who has um, an early childhood kid and a younger elementary kiddo, and they're they're thinking about obstacle courses and, you know, just using what they have in their house to just have fun. The floor is going to become lava, right? Like, right. what do we do? Um, so that routine, I've seen several routines posted online to kind of modify 
Um, let's well, and to that point, I think we have to be careful of electronics, and that starts for little ones mm-hmm. too. The the especially with parents that are working from home, mm-hmm. um, we have to be cautious that our the screens don't become the babysitters, right. you know, and the, and we have to be intentional about that. And so I think having a, a proposed schedule, a loose, flexible schedule that we're going to live by, but be realistic, you know, and, and educating our kids of I mommy like or daddy. I you're talking to me because I talked to I'm my talking boys to myself actually. about <laughs> creating a schedule and yeah. they were like, that might make your life easier. I was like, well, we're going to, you're older, so you get to make your own schedule, but I'm going to need what you want. And, but, but I, I think for like flexible. little kids, especially like notoriously working parents know that the minute they pick up a work call is when their child is going to get out of hand, right? 100%. That famous <laughs> that working from home guy trying to do the news and yes. the baby comes flying <laughs> in, you know, um, that inevitably will happen. And so if you can be clear with your kids on the front end, you can mitigate that. You can say, Hey, you know, mom or dad, I have to get on a call and it's going to take a little while. You can play this game or you can watch Daniel Tiger or you can read your books. Here's a pile of books or here's some art, but I have to do this call. And when I'm done, then we're going to spend some time doing X, Y, or Z. And, but talk to them about it, like help them mm-hmm. understand it because that will allow them to, to regulate themselves. Right. If you just pick up the phone and you don't explain it, they're going to act up. They're going to try to get no, your that's attention. That's a really good point. Well, that's, I'm, as you were saying that, I work really hard not to work at home. Right. And so we're going to have to have different expectations. Mm-hmm. So if I'm working late on my computer, typically in the kitchen, that's my home office, um, then my boys are allowed to call me out on it. My husband's allowed to call me out on it. Like this, yep. just shut your computer. It, it'll be there tomorrow. We're just going to have to set different expectations of, you know, that mom and dad are going to be working from home right now and what that looks like and, you know, what expectations are okay and not. I think on a Sunday evening like today, it's a really good time to make a family dinner and sit down and have a family meeting. Yeah. And as we launch into this next week, which will be foreign territory for all of us, what is that going to look like? And let's talk about it as a family and let's be proactive because, and, and be able to own that this could change by Tuesday at noon right? or, you know, and we're going to tweak it as it goes, but we're all going to have to show each other some grace and flexibility. And we're going to have to work through this together as a family. And this is one of those times where resiliency comes into mind again, that we can go through this situation as a family, as a church, as a nation, and hopefully be stronger for it on the mm-hmm. backside. Right. Mm-hmm. But the more that I would encourage everybody to have a conversation, you know, and sit down and talk through this, as a family, what are we going to make this next week and the weeks to come look like? And how are we going to talk through and work through new expectations and new boundaries and how we're going to handle this? Right. So let's talk about elementary. And I know you or I don't have the answer to this yet, but e-learning, like I have older kids. I can kind of envision what that's going to look like for my boys next week. If you have a first grader at home, I feel like that's going to be really different. So I think flexibility is going to be key, both for parent and child. And if you were co-parenting or parenting with a spouse, who's like, who's taking the lead on this? If you're both working from home, is it a rock, paper, scissor every time somebody has a work call? Or, you know, do you have directives of who's going to do what when it comes to the kid's education? But I think elementary is going to be one of those... The fuzziest. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, there are plenty of families who homeschool their elementary kids. 
but that's the design of their family. That's the way their family's been laid out and a choice that they've made. And so they've worked through those kinks, right? Those of us who aren't in that situation, we're going to have to change things around. And that's, again, where there could be a lot of frustration and resentment between spouses if they aren't communicating clearly um, about how they're going to handle that and, right. and what that's going to look like. And again, I have older kids and I can kind of visualize it. I mean, I have a fifth grader, not really sure how the elementary school is going to handle the fifth grader either. Right. Um, but, I, but I'm not dealing with a first or second grader and it, and it's very different. And so um, my hope is that the schools will offer some guidance for those families about what the school's expectations mm-hmm. are and what that's going to look like. Um, and that there'll be some, you know, Thankfully, we live in a really great metroplex with amazing school districts, right. truly amazing right. school districts in this community that I think we're incredibly blessed. And I have a lot of faith that they are going to help us navigate this road. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think beautifully. one thing, and this will tie into some of our older kids. There was a period in my life where I was on bed rest when I was pregnant for four months and I couldn't go anywhere. I was in the same room. I got to know the nursing staff really well, got to know my doctors really well, but I had to have a daily routine And not only that is I had to have something to accomplish. And so, for example, I took up cross-stitching, not because I enjoyed cross-stitching, but because it gave me a goal every day to get this much done or that much done. Um, I think it's going to be important for elementary and middle school and high schoolers to have something to accomplish, maybe not every day, but maybe little things like you know, one chore a day, what's your chore going to be? One exercise routine a day, one something, you know, who are you going to help today? How are you going to make the world a better place today? Something to accomplish. So at the end of the day, you feel like your life matters Mm -hmm. and that you're, you have self-worth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I saw a really cool kind of ask online about, you know, uh, most of the nursing homes have set pretty string, you know, strong limitations on having any visitors, um, for the, for the residents. And, uh, um, the really cool idea of how about you have your kids send letters, um, and draw pictures for those residents and, and mail those. I mean, something like that, right. Of how mm-hmm. can you be helpful? How can you do something beyond yourself, um, to give back to society? And, and I think that's important. I also think that again, maybe it's my own personal soapbox and something that we deal with at our house is the screens and needing to limit. I think if you allowed a middle school or high schooler free reign of that, they'd be on it nonstop. And also think about Middle schoolers and high schoolers, when they are not in school, they tend to have the wackiest sleep habits ever. They will stay up till three or four o'clock in the morning and sleep till one o'clock. And that can't happen. Like this is not that that is not a helpful or healthy habit for them to adopt right now. And I think everybody coming off spring break. We have some of that. I know we had that in my house a little bit. I I said to my kids and I'm going to call them out on the podcast. (laughs) Did you stream church this morning? Did you see it? I just got up. And my family doesn't sleep in. like Especially on Sundays. <laughs> especially on Sundays. <laughs> I mean, my younger son and I, we go to the gym every day at 5 a.m. Like, we're early people. And I called them at 11 whatever, and they had just gotten up, right? So it is going to be like we are a little bit lenient over spring break, especially we didn't go anywhere. So it was just kind of let's just be a family and do our thing. But, like, our phone curfews are going to come back in, you know, it's 10 o'clock or, you know, whatever it is for your family. Phones come down. 
you know, iPads, computers are off, and we've got to establish a healthy balance. I would really encourage parents to see that spring break is over and that we need to go back to routine. And maybe the routine is a little bit different than if school was starting tomorrow, but it can't be like spring break or summer. Well, and that's that's a battle I fought in my house because um, the original um, media outlet for the particular school district we're at said, we're going to extend spring break. So my kids were like, woohoo, let's go to main event. Let's go to the movies. Let's do this. Right. Yes, I, I think the whole idea for... You know, the schools suspending their uh, start was to have that whole social distancing. Right. And if we go out and do all those things, then then the whole idea of this social distancing has then been for naught. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that is something that uh, we as a society probably need to take more responsibility socially to uh practice this sort of self-isolation for the next week or two. Well, I'll tell you what, it felt really weird this morning and um, Saturday night doing church. Oh, absolutely. To an empty congregation. It's a routine that, that, uh, you know, every Sunday when we're here in town, we're at church and today was not any different. So when we woke up, it's like, oh, that's right. We're not going. Right. Right. But I would much rather have locked our doors and, you know, brought church to people's living rooms and cars or whatever to help. Because at one point we were thinking about having church again. Everything has changed throughout this week. But um, it became clear that that was not a healthy choice for our congregants, Um, that that wasn't the right choice to make. All right. Well, um, as we are wrapping up, I think we have... A couple more things. This podcast might be a little bit longer than our average, but guess what? The world has time to listen. So um, are there any other medical um, precautions, things that you think we need to know about? Sure. Um, So as we know, coronavirus is spread from person to person, similar to colds and flus. It spreads via respiratory droplets or, uh, you know, when an infected person coughs or sneezes. Um, it could be spread by touching contaminated objects, surfaces, you know, cell phones, computer keyboards, uh, door handles, whatnot. So there's some really some basic good prevention strategies that have been recommended by the CDC. So wash your hands often with soap and water, especially after going to the bathroom, before eating, and after blowing your nose or coughing or sneezing. When soap and water is not available, use alcohol-based sanitizers that are at least 60% alcohol. And avoid touching your mouth, your nose, your eyes. You know, I want to pause you on that. I thought, I don't pick my nose. I'm a grown adult. And then I I was at home with hands washed. But still, I noticed the amount of times yes. I touched my face. Or how, how much we just kind of maybe rub our nose yeah. or it's itching a little bit. Yeah. Or, and, and obviously avoid sharing things like cups, water bottles, eating utensils. Uh, disinfect all frequently touched surfaces, and um, obviously avoid close contact with anybody who are sick. And if you have underlying respiratory problems, asthma, COPD, uh, be sure to uh, continue to follow your treatment, Your continue to follow your medical treatment plan. Um, a lot of people have asked about face masks. Um, 
I think for people who are symptomatic, wearing a face mask is helpful in limiting how your potential spread for droplets. But if you're otherwise healthy, I don't know at this particular point in time, there has not been a recommendation by the CDC to actually wear face masks. Uh, as far as the N95 masks, we would really, really encourage everybody to leave those for the people that actually are taking care of these patients in the front line, the well, first responders. And the cancer patients that need yes, those and, masks. Yes, and for those who are, have Im immune deficiencies. Yeah. And um, really, I think uh, people have also asked, well, what is there anything they can do as far as you know boosting their immune system? I, I don't know if there's anything specific that they could do aside from all the things that we've done, you know, normally to prevent yourself from getting sick is resting well, make sure. I mean, the people that are vitamin D deficient, they should have, make sure their vitamin D levels are adequate and vitamin C levels uh, as well. Um, the recommended daily minimums for vitamin C is uh, 500 milligrams, but the optimal dose is actually somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 milligrams a day. Um, but aside from that, I think just good common sense in terms of uh, d disease prevention it would go a long way. Thank you so much. All right, Jenny, how do we talk to our kids about this? We've talked about how we live with our kids through this. When, when they ask us, is grandma going to die? What do we say? Well, I think that... I'm going I'm to back up from your question. Is grandma going to die? Because <laughs> um, I can think can of a lot a of ways back. to answer that. I'm going to go a little bit more 30,000 foot. Okay. Um, when our kids ask us things that we don't know the answers to, or they ask us questions that are scary, i.e., is grandma going to die? Mm -hmm. Or are we all going to get coronavirus? Or are we ever going to go back to school? Or is this the end of the world? Or really right. big kind of scary questions. Right. We can't answer kids with something that we don't know to be true. Right. I, I, it is it, a huge issue for me is finding age appropriate truth for children. Right. Um, and so depending on your child's age, the more you will share with them. Mm -hmm. But all of it needs to be honest. And so to be able to say, you know what, I'm not for sure exactly how this whole thing is going to play out. But what I do know is that we as a family are going to take every precaution to be safe and we are going to love each other and we're going to enjoy this time together and we're going to pray through this and we're going to stay busy and active and we're going to keep our routines and we're going to take our vitamins and get good sleep and whatever, right? But I can tell you what we're going to do mm -hmm. and to give them that assurance of what we're going to do. Um, if your child asks you a scary question and you start crying, or they ask you a scary question and you start panicking and getting nervous and uncomfortable, it goes back to that flight attendant thing, right? right. They're going to look at you and go, oh my gosh, this is really, really bad. But if you can look at them honestly and say, honey, I don't know exactly. I don't have a crystal ball. But what I do know is that we have very smart, you know, physicians that are looking after us and we have very smart leaders who are doing their best to stay on top of this. And um, we're going to do everything that we can that's within our control. And then... As we often talk about in times of crisis, look for opportunities for kids to do something else and for them to have a sense of control, like writing those letters to the right. senior citizens in those, um, you know, old folks homes or, um, you know, let's go plant some flowers outside or let's go let's go do something. Well, my that teenagers helps them. are going to grocery shop for my parents and several other family and friends that are over the age of 60. It's going to give them purpose. It's going to give them something to do. 
It's going to get them out of my house. It's going to be a win-win for everyone. Um, I want to talk for a second about the faith component. I think a lot of times we want to lean on our faith to fix things. And as, as, as vital and as important as prayer is, prayer connects us with our creator. Prayer um, helps us um, have a voice into a broken world. And I believe prayer um, gives us direction on where to go and the Holy Spirit leads us into things. But I want families to be real careful about saying that um, God will protect us. Um, I believe that God will bring light in the darkness. Um, but there are probably going to be times and things coming up where we feel unprotected. And it's our jobs as parents and I think as Christians to lean into that um, light in the darkness. Um, I think one thing we could do is read some Bible stories every night and find like, hey, this was my favorite Bible story as a kid. What's your favorite Bible story now? And maybe read it in the adult Bible and then find it in your child's Bible and read it in there and talk about what sounded different. Talk about what sounded the same. Um, even like just character books. Um, my friend, I watched one of her videos last night and she recommended reading books about resilient children. So like, for example, Peter Pan was a very resilient child. It's a fun book to read together. And then there's like 12 different movie alternatives that you could watch with Peter Pan. And so, um, I know I went from faith to Peter Pan, but what I'm saying is finding ways to connect and um, not blaming God, but allowing God in to our lives. And I think another way to think about this, too, is, you know, for God, uh, we ask for protection and for guidance and for help. But it's also important for us to know and maybe to communicate this with our kids, that when God has given us guidance and protection, he is doing that in a way of giving us information and knowledge and it's up to us to implement his help. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's for us to give a blanket statement to say he will shield us from all of this may be overstating and uh, it may be better to say, well, this is how God is protecting us by giving us knowledge and giving us a way of how having to deal with this. Well, as Jenny was saying earlier, we say what we can say that's truth. That's like, correct. I can't yeah. say I'm not going to get sick because I don't know that. Right. I hope I don't get sick. I'm not in the statistic that should get sick, but I can't say I'm not going to get sick. I can say I'm going to continue to exercise every day. I'm going to drink all the water I can. I'm going to take all my vitamins. You know, I'm going to wash my hands like I've never washed them before. Um, things like that. Th those are truths I can say. Well, um, I appreciate Everybody that's listening today, I want you to know that St. Andrew United Methodist Church is here for you. Um, if you are feeling anxious, if you are feeling overwhelmed, we have a 24-hour prayer line. It's 214-291-8044. Um, this is being monitored by our pastoral care staff throughout this time. It's 24 hours. Also, if you call our main church line, which ends in 8001, um, that is where you can come to our on-call service for emergencies. And um, there, we have a pastor on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be um, postponing our school series because it feels a little awkward. Um, and we are going to look at um, Q&As that y'all are asking me. So um, shoot me an email, shoot me a text, find me on Facebook, on Instagram, um, and let us know what questions you have that we can help you with. And in the next few weeks, um, we're going to be doing that. But I want you to know that even though we are distancing ourselves, we are not alone. And we're going through this together. So thanks for being there.